Hey, Haley. Yeah. You know what I do when I need a mental break from some really tough true crime stories that we've talked about and researched? What? I'm really into playing this mobile game right now called Best Fiends. It's this really great casual puzzle game and it engages your brain as you play. So not only are you having a little bit of fun and not being super bored, but you're also doing something for yourself. You feel like you're accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. And it's super easy. I've only been playing for about a week and I'm over 100 levels deep and I can't stop, won't stop. I can't get enough. Yeah, same. It's really great because I travel a lot on buses and planes and subways and you don't need internet access to play. So it works perfectly for me. So engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. With over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Best Fiends. Best Fiends. Okay, bye. Bye. I've got a cat. I've got... I'm surrounded by Amazon packages. I just ate a brownie for dinner. And it was a really good brownie. I felt like I was floating. That's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So you're in a good place now. I'm in a better place than I was. It's a good place to start part five. Our final part. Final part. I was celebrating early. Yeah. Yep. So if you haven't been listening for the past month. Maybe, I was going to say, maybe go back to the beginning. Yeah. We're covering uh, some true crime and spooky stuff from all 50 states in the United States. And this is the last part. We are so, spooking it up. Why don't you take it away with our first state of the episode? Which is South Dakota. South Dakota. Former home of our friend Gabby for two years while she got her master's or her RD. Something like that. She's she's a dietitian. Hit her up. Um, so their top true crime book is Gitchy Girl Uncovered, the true story of a night of mass murder and the hunt for the deranged killers by Phil Hartman and by Phil Hammond, excuse me, and Phil Sandy Hartman. Hammond. Yeah, I don't know where that <laughs> came from, but it did. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure he didn't write that book. I'm positive he didn't write that book. Um, I'm positive. I don't actually know. I'm not positive that he hasn't written any books. I'm going to shut up. No, it's Phil Hammond and Sandy Hammond. Okay. And it has a 3.95 out of 4 on Goodreads. Five. And the synopsis is... Oh, yes. That's what I meant. (laughs) All right. But to be fair, I wrote 3.95 out of 4 in my notes. So it's not just me being stupid. So you were wrong. I was going to say, it's not just me being stupid in the present tense. It's me being stupid in the past tense as well. Okay. Um, so for over 40 years, uh, the synopsis, excuse me, is for over 40 years, the events of what happened at Gitche, Manitou, the night of November 17, 1973, remained a mystery to all but a few. Then the lone survivor broke her silence. Five teenage friends had driven to the park to spend a few hours around a campfire. By morning, four had, been, four had been murdered, and only she was still alive. 
Gitchy Girl Uncovered is a chilling account of the strange twists and bizarre details discovered by an elite team of investigators under intense pressure to catch the killers. After spending hundreds of hours with the lone survivor, investigators and family members of the slain boys and by gaining court access uh, access to court records, authors Phil and Sandy Hammond give the reader a what will happen next inside story of the monstrous crime that shook the Midwest. They bring the reader into the deviant world of the brutal killers with an up-close look at how they think and operate. Mm. Mm-hmm. That sounds very interesting. Yes, I was going to say, another one to add to the list. Yeah. Yep. And next up is the urban legend. I was waiting for you to tell it, and then I remembered it was me. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. And that would be Walking Sam, not to be confused with Waltzing Matilda. This is the American one. Okay. And so apparently Walking Sand is kind of like a slender man, like really tall, really skinny. He's about okay. seven feet tall, and then he's just a fucking Gumby. Um, so he apparently, there's, in, in South Dakota is the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. So he apparently shows up there at night and tries to convince the teenagers that live on the reservation to kill themselves. Oh. Yeah. And right. so, yeah, it's super not cute. And he just walks their streets at night and does his thing. But whether, like, so some people are like, is Walking Sam real? Some people are like, is it like, no, he's definitely not real. Like, there's a lot of back and forth. Mm-hmm. But um, regardless, what some think is that it may just be an explanation for the high suicide rate in the Pine Ridge area. Oh, um, for example, from December 2014 to May 2015, there were 103 suicide attempts. Jeez. Yes. That's terrible. Yep. So Walking Sam sucks. Yeah. And then our top documentary is Murder Mountain. Mm-hmm. Again, and also still a docu-series, still not a documentary. It's a hill I will die on. Anyway, moving on. Next is our... Um, did you hear that? Did I hear what? The loudest meow? No. Really? Maybe it's in the recording. I hope you can hear it in the recording. Yeah, I hope you can hear it in the recording because, oh, and now he's climbing on me. I'm not a jungle gym, sir. Excuse me, sir. Get him away before he he messes with the episode. So last time, what nobody knows is that last time Felix headbutted the computer until it shut down. (laughs) Like, he gonna, headbutted the button until it would shut down. I'm just and I didn't put it realize. out there. Mo never sabotaged the podcast. Mo never got caught sabotaging the podcast. We still don't know what happened with the Thanksgiving episode last year. That was, uh, I want to say your fault. Mo. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was Mo. I want to say it was 100% Mo. Moving, moving on. on. <laughs> yes, Jinx. Um, The top serial killer is Robert Leroy Anderson, who was convicted of killing Larissa Demansky of Sioux Falls, South Dakota in 1994, and Piper Strayle of Kansas-Stota? Cool. I think is how you spell that? Uh, Say that? It's C-A-N-I-S-T-O-T-A. So I guess it's Canastota. Okay. Maybe? Sure. Perhaps? Doesn't matter. With that? Okay. Um, so he was sentenced to death by lethal injection in 1999. But um, what's really interesting is, so 
well, it's not, you know what I mean? It's not interesting. But um, authorities say that he, as with, I guess, many serial killers, even though he killed only two women, that's, uh, I'm just batting a thousand today. Even though he killed two women and there have been others who have killed more, authorities are basically positive that he would have continued his murdering streak until he yeah, had been probably. caught. Yeah. Yes. And then he was, the jury found him guilty of kidnapping Piper Strail on May 8th, 1997, the day after my third birthday. And two months later, the state circuit judge Boyd McMurchy sentenced him to life in prison. But then he was sentenced to death April 9th, 1989. And was so he was in the process of appealing his death sentence mm-hmm. when he committed suicide by hanging himself from a bed sheet in his cell on March 30th, 2003. All right. Um, and while he, and because he was in the process of appealing it and he killed himself, the courts were like, all right, never mind," And they just kind of threw it out. Yeah. And that's him. That is Robert Leroy Anderson. Well, that's, that's that. That's that. There was not a lot of information on this guy, I will tell you now. Yeah. Or rather, there was not a lot of information that was guaranteed to be credible. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Um, So I just went with things that were definite. All right. And that was that. Uh, My first state for this episode is Tennessee. Hey, Haley. What? Are you from Tennessee? Because you're the only Tennessee. No, because you really like barbecue and you have a boyfriend, a fiance, excuse me, who's a musician. Yeah. I did actually really like Tennessee when I was there. I went there Tennessee twice. Tennessee was great. Yeah, I went it was there amazing. once. Um, so the true crime event book, I think we talked about in like a previous episode how it's funny that all of these books have like the title and then a colon and then a subtitle. This one has two subtitles. So, this is Power to Hurt, colon, Inside a Judge's Chambers, colon, Sexual Assault, Corruption, and the Ultimate Reversal of Justice for Women by Darcy O'Brien. That's a lot of colons. It is. It's a very long title. It reminds me of that Fairly Odd Parents bit where they were like, this episode is sponsored by the Society of the Healthy Colons. Yay, colons! Sure. I definitely clipped there, but it was worth it. <laughs> uh, so this book is about um, the compelling and disturbing chronicle of the landmark federal case against Judge David Lanier, who abused women of Dyersburg, Tennessee, through exoneration, stalking. Sure. It, sorry, not exoneration. Extortion, stalking, and obscene Different. telephone calls and rape. It has Different. a four out of five on Goodreads. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The top urban legend for the state is the Bell Witch. And this story tells of the hauntings of one Tennessee family by some sort of spirit believed to be a witch that ultimately attracted the attention and subsequent visit by soon-to-be President Andrew Jackson. Oh, I know him. Yeah. And while Jackson, who allegedly was spoken to by the witch avoided any real haunting. There is a cave near the site um, that's believed to be a portal for the witch and remains a major tourist attraction in Adams, Tennessee today. 
I did not know of this when I went to Tennessee, or else I would have tried to make a stop there. But, anywho. But next time. Next time, definitely. Yeah. The most popular true crime documentary of the state is The 7-5, and it's about former NYPD officer Michael Dowd, um, who tells a story about how he and his partner committed a long list of crimes, including running their own cocaine ring, while on the job in the 80s and early 90s. And it has an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes with That's... an 85% audience score. It has an 89% on Google and a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb. That sounds uh, like an interesting one. Yeah, I want to see that one. I didn't see if it was on Netflix or anything. So <clears throat> maybe just throw that one into Google. Yeah. Um, the scariest serial killer of the state is Paul Dennis Reed, also known as the fast food killer, who we talked about in my birthday episode because we have the same birthday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I knew he sounded familiar. Yeah, he's not a great dude. Yeah. He no. moved to Nashville in the 90s to try to become a country singer, but ended up robbing different fast food restaurants after hours and then brutally murdering employees. <clears throat> yeah, that'll do it. That, yeah. He committed these crimes at McDonald's, a Captain D's, and a Baskin Robbins. He was given seven death sentences from the state of Tennessee, but died in 2013 from pneumonia and respiratory issues. <clears throat> Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Of course. And that's Tennessee. You're up. I know. I was just waiting to make sure that, like, you were done, that you had finished, oh, that yeah. you had said what you needed to say before I move on to Texas. 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 Yes. The spooks are bigger in Texas, I've heard. All my ex-spooks live in Texas. Textbooks. Textbooks, thank you. <laughs> um, I hate us both. So then <laughs> our next book is Bloodlines, the true story of a drug cartel, the FBI, and the battle for a horse racing dynasty by Melissa Del Bosque. It has a 4.02 out of 5 on Goodreads. And the synopsis is Drugs, Money, Cartels. This is what FBI rookie Scott Lawson expected when he was sent to the border town of Laredo. But instead, he's deskbound writing intelligence reports about the drug war. Drug war. Goddamn. Then, one day, Lawson is asked to check out an anonymous tip. A horse was sold at an Oklahoma auction house for a... I think I'm having a stroke. I think you're fine. I think I'm having a stroke. A horse was sold in an Oklahoma auction house for a record-topping price, and the buyer was Miguel Trevino one of the leaders of the Zetas, Mexico's most brutal drug cartel. The source suggested that Trevino was laundering money through American quarter horse racing. If this was true, it offered a rookie like Lawson the perfect opportunity to infiltrate the cartel. Lawson teams up with a more experienced agent, Alma Perez, and taking on, an impossible, and taking on impossible odds, sets out to take down one of the world's most fearsome drug lords. Spooky. Druggy. Yeah. Horsey. Horsey. <laughs> and next up, we have the urban legend. Um, so you've heard of the Candyman. Yeah. Multiple times. But have you heard of the Candy Lady? No. No. Yeah! 
Yeah. Who is this candy so, lady? Hmm? Who is this candy lady? Tell me of her. Well, if I can just say. So this this goes back to the early 20th century. Um, basically, kids, this isn't, this isn't super fun, I will say. Kids started to go missing in rural areas of Texas. So people started saying, oh, it's the candy lady. We're not going to investigate who's kidnapping our kids. We're going to chalk it up to this candy lady. So basically, because white vans didn't exist yet, she would leave candy on their windows and eventually like they'd start taking the candy and she would like leave more candy and they'd start taking the candy and then she would leave the candy and a note and the note would be like, hi, my name is so and so like, let's be friends and back and forth. It's like it's like OG um, solicitation of a minor on like the Some web. weird chat site. Yeah. Yes. On chat rooms. Yeah. So then eventually she would be like, hey, come see me and I'll give you more candy. So then the kids would be like, all right, got to get more candy. Bring Not it like on. I've got. Yeah, I was going to say it, it's an addiction. It's a sugar addiction. And then she would take them and they'd never be seen again. Yeah. Um, but this was really. I don't want to say proven to be true, but it did not help things when a farmer found rotten teeth on his farm and then later on the body of a boy whose pockets were stuffed with candy on his farm yeah um so there's not a lot known about like other than what i told you about like why people were automatically like oh it's the candy lady yeah like that's that's what it is like there's nobody knows like why that would be the first thing that people would go to mm-hmm. but they think that it's um what's the word people think that it was a real person and that the person's name so her name is clara crane and she was suspected of murdering her husband leonard gilbert crane by poisoning him um she gave him poisoned caramels he ate them, and then he fucking died. All right. So that's one way to do it. That's that. That's a legend. That's a All legend right. for you. I like and that. And then one. next up, I do too. I like. I don't like it, obviously. But it's very. Spooky. I like that it's. I like that it's based in fact. Yeah. Kind of. N- not completely, but. I gotcha. Yeah. So then our next. Our, so it's the true crime documentary next and this is 2016's the witness which was Mm -hmm. also the one for california remember when i fucked up california retribution yes Yes. so it's got a 90 percent on the rotten tomatoes tomato meter and a 77 i got this 77 (laughs) percent audience score and the critical consensus is the witness can't help Mm. i want to die please you got it candy lady I'll take some poisoned caramels or that I, maybe that brownie that I was just like scarfing down was poisoned. We'll find mm-hmm. out soon. So the witness can't hope to truly untangle the true crime case at its center, but offers a series of fascinating and troubling insights with the in the attempt. So um, this was 
for those who don't know about the Kitty Genovese case. And it was actually the documentary is written by her siblings. Okay. And the synopsis is on March 13th, 1964, Kitty Genovese was repeatedly attacked on a, on a street in Kew Gardens, Queens. Soon after, the New York Times published a front page story asserting that 38 witnesses watched her being murdered from their apartment windows and did nothing to help. The death of mm. Kitty Genovese, 28, quickly became a symbol of urban apathy. The witness follows the efforts of her brother, Bill Genovese, as he looks to uncover the truth buried beneath the story. In the process, he makes startling discoveries about the crime that transformed his life, condemned a city, and defined an era. Mm. Yeah. And that case was a sad one, if you ever look into it. We'll talk about it, because there's a lot of pop culture references. Yeah. Um, it's been featured on Law & Order SVU. Of course. On on Girls. Um, remember Girls? Yeah, I liked Girls. Yeah. Well, up until the end. Um, yeah. The last but yeah. season didn't really need to happen. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, but that's okay. Um, but moving on. So then the top serial killer was Samuel Little. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Haley knows this one. Shit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is a little different because he didn't just kill in Texas. Um, he was convicted in 2012 of the murders of three women in California between 1987 and 1989. And then most recently in 2018... He was convicted of the murder of a woman in Texas. He killed her in 1994. However, he claims that he has killed as many as 93 people, and investigators have linked him to at least 60-plus murders. Yeah. Not quite 90, but more than 60. Yeah. And the FBI has confirmed his involvement in at least 50 murders. So this makes him actually officially... Hi, Felix. I did hear uh, that one. Yep. That was a loud one. <laughs> it officially makes him the most prolific killer in U.S. history. Yeah. Um, that was big li- news for a while there. Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was all over. <laughs> um, and he allegedly murdered women across 19 states over a quarter of a century. And this ended in about 2005. But his... So his victims, to a degree, there were obviously a lot. Yeah. But some of the victims were Anna Stewart, Joe Payton, Carol Elford, Guadalupe Abodaca, Audrey Nelson. There's Rose Evans, Denise Christie brother. And then there's also a Jane Doe. And so the Jane Doe, the so the Jane Doe, Rose Evans... Anna Stewart and Mary Jo Payton all alone were discovered in 2019. Yeah. And it's just yikes. It's a big yikes. All right. Did you hear that? I did not. All right. So Felix just threw a tantrum and slammed himself up against the dresser um, because he wants to eat. And I want you to tell me about our next date. All right. My next date is Utah, and the true crime event book is Shot in the Heart by... But you're too late. You You gave gave love love. a bad name. (laughs) By Mikal Gilmore and Mm -hmm. Gary Gilmore, the infamous murderer immortalized by Norman Mailer in The Executioner's Song, campaigned for his own death and was executed by Firing Squad in 1977. 
writer Mikhail Gilmore is his younger brother. In Shot in the Heart, he tells the stunning story of their wildly dysfunctional family, their mother, a black sheep daughter of unforgiving Mormon farmers, their father, a drunk thief and con man. It was a family destroyed by multi-generational history of child abuse, alcoholism, crime, adultery, and murder. Mikal, burdened with the guilt of being his father's favorite and the shame of being Gary's brother, gracefully and painfully uh, relates a murder tale from the inside of a house where murder is born, a house that in some ways he has never been able to leave. Which sounds like a fucking wild ride. Yeah, that's a big no from me, dog. It has a 4.17 out of 5 on Goodreads. But it's spooky, so I'm about it. <clears throat> yeah, and it's immediately added to my list. I like. Yes. I, I said it before, but I really like um, stories where the person writing has like a very close connection to yes. the actual crime. Yes. And isn't like, just like I a could researcher. I never handle that, but I'm fine if other people are willing to share their stories. Yeah, that's crazy. The top urban legend is, and I think I'm pronouncing it wrong, it's Escalante Petrified Forest. It's like a... Sure. It's a state park there. And um, there's a curse on the forest. And it's illegal to take anything from there. Um, and legend says that anyone who takes a piece of petrified wood from the park will be cursed with bad luck, sickness, and accidents. And actually, a park manager, Kendall Farnsworth, stated that in 2014, he gets about a dozen packages every year containing a piece of wood from the park and an apologetic letter detailing the sender's misfortunes. So even though there's known to be a curse, people still take pieces of the wood when they're not supposed to. And hey, that's not nice. Yeah. And they get cursed, only so they send it back. Take only memories. Yeah. So, yeah, you'll get cursed the fuck out of you. Don't test it, man. No. The top true crime documentary is Abducted in Plain Sight. We've talked about. Uh, it's the same as Idaho, and you can listen to our episode on it. Um, episode 53. We talk all about it. So go listen to that. The scariest serial killer of the state is Arthur Gary Bishop. And he was both a serial killer and a child molester. When four child abductions happened near his home in the early 80s, police brought him in for routine investigation where he confessed to the murders of five young boys. He was executed in 1988. Honestly? That, that's all I got for coming. Utah. He had it coming. He did. He, he had did. it coming all along. He did. He'd have been there. You'd have seen it. That's How enough could of you that. tell? Yep, that's it. Um, <laughs> so next up, we got Vermont. <laughs> Vermont. I like Vermont. I like Vermont. I've driven through it. They've got Ben and Jerry. They've got Bernie Sanders. Up in They've the got stove. other people. Um, but yeah. So their top true crime book is Death of Innocence, The True Story of an Unspeakable Teenage Crime. Which, for a second, I was like... I stopped because I thought that I had copied and pasted that book about the kids sitting around the campfire in South Dakota. I thought I had just copied and pasted that by accident. 
Oh, all right. Like, I just had a small, mild heart attack thinking that I did not have a book for Vermont. But I have a book no, for Vermont. And it's by Peter Meyer. And once again, it's Death of Innocence, the true story of an unspeakable teenage crime, because apparently that's popular in these last 10 states. Yeah. And it has a 4.02 out of 5 on Goodreads with the cat climbing all over things it's not supposed to. And the synopsis being one early spring day, two young Felix. He's, he's literally climbing on top of the laptop and looking at the button and I'm just going to pin him to the, the bed. Cat. I'm pinning him to the bed. Um, yeah. One early spring day, two young girls took a shortcut home from school through the woods. Then in a few horrifying moments, the tranquility of the day was shattered by rape, torture and murder. A small Vermont town and the entire nation was stunned. These gruesome crimes had been committed not by hardened criminals, but by two young boys, 15 and 16 years old. One of the America's finest investigative journalists, Peter Meyer, recounts this provocative—I was doing so well—provocative true story of terror in the small Vermont town of Essex Junction. He powerfully recreates this tragic case and its complex emotional aftermath the statewide manhunt, the trial, and the chilling results that sent one teenage killer to prison for life and set the other free after two and a half years. And that's the book. I think I've heard of this case. Um, I watched a really bad British documentary series about, like, killer kids. And okay. I think Probably. this is when one of you were st- doing the research of that one kid. No, I don't think I can't so. I think his it name. was, I think it was just uh, like because it was on on like uh one of those like free Pluto channels, and I think I was watching it. And I, the story sounds very very familiar. So if it wasn't that one, then I've heard something very familiar to that. Okay, but it, that is a very interesting case. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm about it. But yeah, so. Moving right along. Mm-hmm. The top urban legend for Vermont is the Frozen People. What? Not Elsa and Anna. All right. And this goes back all the way to the late 1800s. Basically, somebody wrote in their diary about this legend, and then it just kind of took the fuck off. All right. And they said that hibernating old people... Um, the legend of the hibernating old people recounts the tale of a poor family outside of Montpelier. Um, so they couldn't, so they could only afford to feed and clothe and house some members of their family and not others. Spooky. So they opted to freeze and bury the older members of their family. All right. (laughs) That's uh that's something. That's it's it's a thing that exists. Um and so apparently when spring rolled around, this is very Vermont. They just thawed out and were fine. Alright. And And they didn't seek revenge? Apparently not. I, I feel like this was a mutual decision, but I'm still I'm not quite about it. Yeah. I'll be honest. Weird. And then, yeah. And then the true crime documentary is fucking killing for love yet again. <laughs> the most popular in the whole country, apparently. Apparently, yeah. 
Yeah. Hardly any abducted in plain sight, but we've got we've got the one. And then the killer. So the funny thing about the killer, <laughs> when you were doing your last episode, uh-huh. Or our last episode, but when you talked about um Jerry Oh, Brutus? you know him. Yes, Brutos. I was going to say the shoe man. Yeah. He was also technically Vermont's most prolific serial killer. He was born and raised in Vermont. Oh, really? I think yes. I think on the list uh something that I saw said um Ted Bundy for Vermont too because he was born in Vermont. And I was like, "Oh, that's kind of bullshit." Yeah, I also agree that that was bullshit. And yeah. so but when you said that I was like, "Oop, got to change my notes." <laughs> so I did that. And Israel Keys is the most prolific serial killer in Vermont besides Jerry Brudos. Oh, okay. And he violently raped and murdered a teenage girl in Oregon named Samantha Koenig. And when he confessed to killing her and at least seven others around the country, including Bill and Lorraine Courier of Excess Vermont, mm-hmm. he committed a... Um, I... I miswrote my sentence when he confessed to killing koenig he also confessed to at least seven others around the country including bill and the ring courier courier of excess vermont anywho Mm. so he committed a long series of rapes and murders until he was captured in 2012 and as is apparently the theme with these people he died on december 2nd 2012 while in custody waiting to hear like what was going to happen Via self-inflicted wrist cuts and strangulation. Oh. Yes, and a suicide note found under his body consisted of a, quote, ode to murder, but offered no clues about who his other possible victims might have been. All right. Yeah. So, real POS. And yeah, that's Vermont. That's the old VT. Well, my next state is Virginia, and the top true crime book is American Fire, Love, Arson, and Life in in a Vanishing Land by Monica Hesse, and the synopsis says, shocked by a five-month arson spree that left rural Virginia reeling, Washington Post reporter Monica Hesse drove down to Accomack County, Accomack County? Um, sure. To cover the trial of Charlie Smith, who pled guilty to 67 counts of arson. But Charlie wasn't lighting fires alone. He had an accomplice, his girlfriend, Tanya Bundick. Through her depiction of the dangerous shift that happened in their passionate relationship, Hesse brilliantly brings to life the once thriving coastal community and its distressed inhabitants who had already been decimated by a punishing economy before they were terrified by a string of fires they could not explain. Incorporating this drama into the long-overlooked history of arson in the United States, American Fire recreates the anguished nights that this quiet county spent lit up in flames, mesmerizing, mesmerizingly evoking a microcosm of rural America, a land half-gutted before the fires even began. It has a 3.79 out of 5 on Goodreads. And the top urban legend of the state is the Bunny Man or the Bunny oh Man Bridge. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> like I said, I always get the funny ones. Yes. But this one isn't so funny. 
So Yeah, that's that tends to be what you get. You get the ones that sound funny, but then they're really fucking sad. Yeah, there's a couple versions of uh, this urban legend, like many urban legends, it kind of depends on like what region you hear it from. Like other places, kind of tell it a little differently. But one version of the legend says that the people of Clifton were so up in arms about an insane asylum in their area that they were able to get all of the patients transferred. So the patients were being moved by bus, but it crashed, and the police were able to catch all the patients except one, the Bunny Man. Oh, funny how that works out. Of course, that's how any good urban legend starts. Yes. According to the tale, the bunny man lived in the woods and sustained himself on woodland creatures like bunnies, but eventually he started to attack humans. In the 1970s, there were numerous police reports of people who had been threatened by a man holding an axe wearing a white suit with bunny ears. A few individuals reported that the man in the suit actually threw the axe at them for trespassing. To this day, there have been many sightings of dead rabbits appearing in the woods surrounding Fairfax Bridge, now known as the Bunny Man Bridge, as well as a white figure appearing late at night underneath the bridge. Other tales say that groups of teens would see a bright light and then wind up dead and strung up over the bridge. Nice. Very spook. Yeah. Not at all something I want. To be quite honest. Like, I don't want that in my life. I will be perfectly happy if I never meet that bunny man. Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. That, that doesn't seem like something I need or want. Yeah, um, I'm good. So the top true crime documentary, I just looked at our list again, and I think we had to mix them up because oh, no. uh, for Virginia, the top true crime doc is Killing for Love. For Vermont, the top true crime documentary was Wild Wild Country, which is um, the Netflix documentary series about the Indian guru, the Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, um, that cult in Oregon. And you know what? I did this to myself because I was thinking to myself, you know, it's really impressive that I haven't done the wrong documentary yet, other than, you know, the entire first episode. Well, you know what? I'm sure they quite liked Killing with Love, too. Killing killing for love. Killing in love? (laughs) Killing Killing for love. love. Yes. Um, So, anyway, uh, since we've already talked about that documentary ad nauseum. um, I'm sorry. (laughs) So, Wild Wild Country um, is a really good Netflix documentary. If you like cults, you should watch it. And it's about the Rajneeshis in um, Oregon. And it's a six-part series. And let me see what it got on Rotten Tomatoes. It got a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. With okay. a 92% uh, Google score. And it has an good. 88% aud- uh, audience score on um, Rotten Tomatoes. And the critics consensus says, quote, Wild Wild Country succeeds as an intriguing examination of a forgotten piece of American history that must be seen to be believed. So that one is for Vermont, but also... I would like to see it and also believe it. Yeah. Um, the scariest serial killer of the state would be Floyd Allen. And um, this isn't like an old-timey one, so lots of weird shit happens. 
Mm-hmm. So he was in court in 1912 for assaulting an officer while 20 of his henchmen calmly sat and watched. The moment he was sentenced to a one-year uh, prison term for the assault, he and his men pulled out their guns and killed five people, including the judge. Uh... He was executed the next year. But the fact that he was allowed in the courtroom with a gun and so were like 20 other people. Yeah, that's wild. Are we sure this is in Texas? No, this is uh, Virginia. I I know I was being more facetious than anything, but like, yeah. Isn't that crazy? I believe it. Yeah, that's a little bit. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Like. There's like a lot that, that could go wrong with that. <laughs> Yeah. That is all I got for Virginia. Alrighty, then. I think we're... No, we're not wrapping it up. We got two more? I got two more, yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't know my states. So next up, we have Washington. Sure. Six foot 20. Fucking killing for fun. Oh, that was it. Yeah, I was going to say weighing a ton. Washington. Washington. (laughs) Um, If you haven't seen that video, please watch it. It's great. Yes. So the most popular true crime book for the state of Washington is While the City Slept, A Love Lost to Violence and a Young Man's Descent into Madness by Eli Sanders. It has a 3.98 out of 5 on Goodreads. Very intriguing title. Yes, right? It's like right up there with that Billy Milligan book. Yeah. Um... And the synopsis is, on a summer night in 2009, three lives intersected in one American neighborhood. Two people, newly in love, Teresa Butts and Jennifer Hopper, who spent many years trying to find themselves and who eventually found each other, and a young man on a dangerous psychological descent, Isaiah Calibu, Calibu? I don't know, age 23, the son of a distant authoritarian father and a mother with a family history of mental illness. All three paths forever altered by a violent crime. All three stories in a wake-up call to the system that failed to see the signs. In this riveting, probing, compassionate account of a murder in Seattle, Eli Sanders, who won a Pulitzer Prize for his newspaper coverage of the crime, offers a deeply reported portrait in microcosm of the state of mental health care in his country, as well as an an inspiring story of love and forgiveness. Culminating in Kalibu's dangerous side towards violence observed by family members, police, mental health workers, lawyers, and judges, but stopped by no one. While the City Slept is the story of a crime of opportunity and of the string of missed opportunities that made it possible. Possible. It shows that what can happen when a disturbed member of society repeatedly falls through the cracks, and in the tradition of the other Wes Moore and the short and tragic life of Robert Peace, is an indelible, human-level story brilliantly told with the potential to inspire social change. Wow. I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like Felix is into it, too. (sighs) I was wondering if you heard that. Felix, honey, can you be quiet? No, he cannot. No, he can't. It's okay, buddy. We're almost He looks at me like, no, mama. I'm going to shut off your computer again. Just you wait. So who wants to guess what the top urban legend of Washington State is? I bet I can guess it. I bet you can, too. It's Bigfoot. It's Bigfoot. ASMR Big Bigfoot. He got the feetses. Yeah. We don't so, even need to cover Bigfoot, though, because I like, was going to say it's going to be a whole thing, though. <laughs> and it's very funny because on Insider, 
It starts out with, because I thought this was very funny. Bigfoot is an internationally recognizable name and has been spotted all over the country. No shit. Yeah. So, yeah. He's like a big man slash monkey slash, depending on what state you're in, other animal. Yeah. Um, either, depending on where you are, he's very, very sweet and just wants to be snuggled. Or he is very, very mean and just wants to kill. Yeah. But, yeah. And no one can find him. And he keeps hiding. And everybody's like, come on out, Bigfoot. Yeah. The most famous... We'll talk about it during, like, a Bigfoot episode. But the most famous... um, That black and white footage of Bigfoot. The one that, like, can't be, like, debunked. That was actually taken in... I want to say, like, Shasta Forest in California. Like, way, way, way up north. And um, we went to the Bigfoot capital of the world, which is uh, Willow Creek, California, apparently. Uh, We did that on our family road trip. And um, it was interesting. Yeah, I feel like that would be something that would be fun to do. Yeah, there's not a lot going on in that town, but... uh, Yeah, I could see how a Bigfoot would just, like, hang... Around that area. Yeah. Bigfoot, man. Fucking Bigfoot, man. Yeah. But next Bigfoot up we could have, have our... his own podcast, though. Bigfoot should have his own podcast. It could be called Where in the World podcast. is Bigfoot? No, no, no. Bigfoot has his own podcast. He records from a different area in the United States or not in the United States, depending on where he likes to travel every episode and he just talks he just talks about being bigfoot talks about his big feet yeah quentin tarantino will be the first to tune in Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm but yes so next we've got our top true crime documentary and that would be into the abyss which is a 2011 film documentary um, that has a 92% rating on the Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter and a 76% audience score. And it is the synopsis is in his fascinating exploration of a triple homicide case in Conroe, Texas, master filmmaker Werner Herzog probes the human psyche to explore why people kill and why a state kills. In intimate conversations with those involved, including 28 year old death row inmate Michael Perry, scheduled to die within eight days of appearing on screen, Herzog achieves what he describes as, quote, a gaze into the abyss of the human soul, end quote. Herzog's inquiries also extend to the families of the victims and perpetrators, as well as the state executioner and pastor who've been with death row prisoners as they've taken their final breaths. As is so often done before, Herzog's investigation unveils layers of humanity, making an enlightening trip out of ominous territory. And the critical consensus is another probing, insightful look at an interesting subject. Werner Herzog explores the American prison system with passion and not politics. Mm. And if y'all want to know what that means, you can watch it on Netflix. All right. Yes. And then finally, we have our most prolific serial killer. Haley, you want to take a wild guess? Is it Gary Ridgway? It is! 
Of course it is. It's Gary Ridgway, a.k.a. the Green River Killer, and we talked about him in a previous episode. Well, Haley mostly talked about him in a previous episode. Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know, he was convicted of 49 murders of teenage girls and women in the 80s and 90s. And Mm -hmm. he is, we talked about the most prolific serial killer in the United States history, but he is the second most prolific, according to Confirmed Murders. So we got a two-for-one special. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to learn more, you can listen to our episode on him. You could. Because we we got one. Yeah, we have one. It exists. Yeah. And that's Washington. 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 Actually, I don't think we have an episode on Gary Ridgway yet. Honey, I thought we did. Hmm. I don't think it's true, but... Well, then there's one coming, but I think we did. Oh, no. You know what I'm thinking of? Not Gary Ridgway. Oh, no. Um... I'm thinking of the one in Florida. 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 Not the Green River Killer. What was he? Green something. I don't know. Everybody's screaming at me right now, and they're going, Caitlin, you need to know your, your podcast better, but listen, we honeys. We have over 100 episodes. Have, I was going to say, when you have 100 episodes, that's like it's like a mother not remembering the names of her children all the time. You know, it happens. Sometimes like, you call your children by the same name over and over again yeah and sometimes you just don't remember their name at all yeah mom no i'm kidding um but yeah so Haley, while you do your next one i'm gonna try to figure out what the name is of our forgotten child okay and then well my next date is west virginia almost heaven yeah and um, according to an article on Lineup, West Virginia is the number one state most obsessed with serial killers. Oh, time to Isn't move. That nice. We the, gotta move. The true crime event book is Murder Never Dies, Crime and Corruption in the Friendly City by George T. Ser- Sidropolis? Sidropolis? Sure. Um, it's a detailed chronology and factual account of decades of rampant virgin crime and corruption in a city that became known as little chicago the research illustrates a life experience of virtuous people who suffered unfairly and were shamefully abandoned their profane and immunized uh, guardians engaged in wholesale bribery and um, unlimited decadence and made the city a breadbasket of crime wheeling west virginia was forever changed it has a 3.52 out of 5 on Goodreads. All right. Do you want to guess what the urban legend is from West Virginia? That depends. Do you want to guess who our forgotten episode child was? Who is it? The Gainesville Ripper. Gainesville Ripper. I know. I'm You mad. did the episode on him, too. I did. I know. Mm. But it's because you put Gary Ridgway on the list, and I think my brain just got confused, Haley, but it's not so confused that I don't know that the urban legend is going to be the Mothman. It is. Yay! See, see, I'm at a nice neutral. I wrote down that our Mothman episode is episode 61. So, we talk all about the Mothman in episode 61, so go and listen to information about him there. The most popular true crime documentary... In West Virginia is the case against Adnan Syed. And if you've listened to the podcast Serial, you know all about this case. But 
Um, the documentary is a re-examination of the 1999 disappearance and murder of 18-year-old Heyman Lee uh, in Baltimore County and the subsequent conviction of her ex-boyfriend, Adnan Syed. It has an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.6 .6 out of 10 on IMDb. You can watch it on HBO and Amazon. Or you can listen to Serial if you don't want to actually watch something. Yes, and I feel like Serial is, like, they say that Helen of Troy is the face that launched a thousand ships. I feel like Serial is the podcast that launched a thousand true crime podcasts. I feel like it's the podcast that lost, launched a thousand podcasts. Like, Yeah, I feel it, like it's what made everybody like, oh. I mean, I'd been listening to podcasts before Serial came out, but, like, it, it kind of, like, threw podcasts into, like, the zeitgeist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it made people, because before you were just the nerdy person who made podcasts and nobody listened to it, and it was like, oh, we're just going to make fun. And, and then everyone like, wanted a podcast. Yeah, and then suddenly you're 100 episodes in, and you've done so many. You forget who you've done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it happens. It does. The scariest serial killer of the state is Harry F. Powers, the West Virginia Bluebeard. And um, using the name Cornelius O. Pearson, Powers would post Lonely Hearts ads in uh, 1931, claiming that he was looking for love. Uh, when he'd Ooh. actually meet up with his victims, he'd kill and rob them. Ooh. He killed as few as five people and was executed in 1932. Davis Grubb's 1953 novel, The Night of the Hunter, and its 1955 film adaption were based on these crimes. Uh, Jane and Phillip's novel, Quiet Dell, from 2013, also examined the Powers case. And that is West Virginia. Almost heaven. Yep. All right, so my last one is Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I love Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I've never been, but it's I want nice. to check it out. Um, but their top Milwaukee was like one of the coolest towns I've been in. I would go. If you want to go again, I'll go. Definitely. It was there's so much cool stuff going on. It's very like the at least the area that I was in was very hipstery and cool and fun. Oh, awesome. You can eat all my cheese. Oh yes. I okay. ate so much cheese. <laughs> I will eat none of the cheese, but you can have good. all of my cheese. Perfect. Okay. So the top true crime book for Wisconsin is The Shrine of Jeffrey Dahmer by Brian Masters. Ooh. It has a 4.01 out of 5. I was going to say this is right up your alley. And the synopsis is, when Milwaukee police entered Jeffrey Dahmer's North 25th Street apartment in July 1991, they discovered that for some time, this quiet, undemonstrative man had been living amidst the debris of an orgy of killing. A severed head lay in the freezer, a free uh, lay in the refrigerator. A freezer contained two or more heads and a human torso. Two skulls and a complete skeleton were found in a filing cabinet. A styrofoam box concealed two more skulls, and a large blue plastic drum was found to contain three further human torsos in various stages of decomposition. This is the story of the mass murderer Jeffrey Dahmer. Can you imagine? being one of those cops that first went into the apartment 
I can imagine quitting. You wouldn't want to open any door, any drawer, any, like, curtain. Like, don't look at anything because it's going to be something fucking horrible. If I didn't change careers, I would happily go on desk duty for the rest of my career. Exactly. You'll never unsee what you saw. Absolutely not. That's just horrific. Yeah, that's Um, crazy. But then we've got, for their urban legend, Boy Scout Lane oh um yeah not so uh more like ugh. oh no um nobody really knows what like what the details are but everybody's got the same ending okay. and it's that a group of boy scouts just end up dead on the road mm. some in some cases um they were on a bus and were murdered by their bus driver they were on a bus and bus and it crashed and there were nobody nobody lived um or they just went in the woods and went missing one by one and ended up dead but people have reported seeing a swinging body in the trees Mm. finding child-sized handprints and feeling like they are being watched while they are on boy scout lane thanks i hate it yeah same Ugh. Not about it. Yeah, anything with children is no. No thanks. It's a big no thanks from me. Yeah, I don't like that. Nope, absolutely not. And the top true crime documentary is The Thin Blue Line. Yeah. Which has a 100% on the Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter and an audience score of 90%. It is directed and written by Errol Morris and came out in 2005. And the synopsis is this fascinating, controversial true story of the arrest and conviction of Randall Adams for the murder of a Dallas policeman in 1976, billed as, quote, the first movie mystery to actually solve a murder, end quote. The film is credited with overturning the conviction of Randall Dale Adams for the murder of Dallas police officer Robert Wood, a crime for which Adams was sentenced to death. With its use of expressionistic reenactments, interview material and music by Philip Glass, it pioneered a new kind of nonfiction filmmaking. Its style has been copied in countless reality-based television programs and feature films. And you can watch it on Netflix. And that's that. That's the, that was, top, that's the top true crime documentary. Oh, that was a want... very... Oh, go ahead. That was a very beautiful uh, synopsis. But I have two pieces of bad news for you. Oh my god, no. Uh, we've already talked about Thin Blue Line for Delaware. And also, (laughs) it's not the uh, true crime doc for Wisconsin. Yes, it is. I went to the... Oh, my God. Wait, no. If it's killing in love, I'm going to murder myself. (laughs) No. Uh, The top true crime documentary for Wisconsin is Remastered, The Two Killings of Sam Cooke. And um, it is about um, the singer... Um, so the synopsis says, while Sam Cooke rose to stardom as a soul singer, his outspoken views on civil rights drew attention that may have contributed to his death at age 33. So. So here's the thing. (laughs) So. We're pulling back the curtain, everybody. It gets, the curtain's gonna be fully ripped off the rod in a minute. Because I'll tell you. I'm reading that, not that it matters, because I've, quote, Rotten Tomatoes in all of my documentary 
um things for the for these episodes. Uh-huh. That's not the one I had in my notes. The one I had in my notes was the case against Adnan Syed, which as you started speaking, I was like that can't be a coincidence. So then I glanced quickly at the chart. Apparently, my 2020 vision is no more. It was not, in fact, the thin blue line. So that means I got not one, but two documentaries wrong in one state. I'm sorry, Wisconsin. We didn't mean to do this to you. (laughs) I just, I want to die. It's very late as we're recording this. The top serial killer is Jeffrey Dahmer. Let's just move on. Yeah, but if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, it is New Year's (laughs) Eve. So that'll explain some things. Happy New Year! (laughs) Tell me about Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't know nothing about him. My New Year's resolution is to get these right again. (laughs) Um, Okay. Jeffrey Dahmer was gay and he killed and ate a lot of men after he went cruising. And he was just an insecure little boy. And Haley Haley wrote about him and my friend Dahmer. And she didn't write about him. She wrote her notes, but she did the I podcast. Did. We did it last year or around like the November time. We did. It was we episodes did it about a year ago. 37 and 39. All right. Make me feel bad. That's fine. I don't know the numbers. I don't even know. I'm looking the at the River list trailer. right now. Okay. That makes me feel a little bit better. Yep. But yeah. yeah. Wow. And he was sentenced to death, right, Haley? Yes. Yeah, you can listen to both of our episodes on him because there's a lot of information about Jeffrey Dahmer. There is. There's a lot of information, like how he would inject his victim's skulls with acid, or brains with acid to try to be like, okay, I'm going to make myself... He he just wanted to live out his best Rocky Horror Picture Show fantasy and create the perfect specimen that probably always listened and never talked back and always behaved and it didn't really work out no no not not really anywho my last state the last state is wyoming and according to that same article on lineup it is the number two state most obsessed obsessed with serial killers um the true crime event book is the darkest night the murder of innocence in a small town by ron francel uh the synopsis is very um cinematic so it says casper wyoming 1973 11 year old amy burridge rides with her 18 year old sister becky to the grocery store when they finish their shopping becky's car gets a flat tire two men politely offer them a ride home but they are anything but good Samaritans. The girls would suffer unspeakable crimes at the hands of these men before being thrown from a bridge into the North Platte River. One miraculously survived. The other did not. Years later, author and journalist Ron Francel, who lived in Casper at the time of the crimes and was a friend to Amy and Becky, can't forget Wyoming's most shocking story of abduction, rape, and murder. Neither could Becky, the surviving sister. The two men who violated her and Amy were sentenced to life in prison, but the demons of her past kept haunting Becky until she met her fate years later at the same bridge where she'd lost her sister. It has a 3.96 out of 5 on Goodreads. 
and another one for the list of things to read. Yeah, I that's I'm adding that to my list. That one's it sounds heavy, but in a yeah. good way. I okay. mean, the synopsis was so perfectly written yes. that I now I need to know the book. Yeah. Um Let's again, I have club. Yeah, we should do yeah, a book club. Let's do a crime culture book club. That'd be very fun. Maybe we yeah. can do that for 2020 Patreon. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's let's chit chat about that and thinking let of us ideas know if you're on interested. the podcast. There we go. That's how we do it. Yeah. Think of so, ideas, research on the podcast as exactly. you're doing it. Uh, unsurprisingly, I have two urban legends for this state as well. And the first one is the Platte River Ship of Death. Ooh. And yeah. So this is a ghost ship that materializes out of a spectral fog on the Platte River. The cursed crew huddles on the deck of the old ship surrounding a body. If you keep looking... And the corpse is revealed uh, to be that of a still-living loved one who will die soon afterwards. The second one I had to mention, because it's one of my mom's favorite uh, things ever, is the Devil's Tower. And uh, you'll if you see like an image of it, you'll know what it is. Um, but according to a Native American legend... A group of Cheyenne girls were brutally attacked and killed by a bear at the Devil's Tower. Two girls escape and find help from two boys who convince the girls to act as bait. They climb to the top of the tower and the bear tries to follow. The boys shoot arrows at the bear and it finally gives up, leaving scratches all the way down the rock as it slides down. So if you like look at an image of the Devil's Tower, it looks like there's like these scratch grooves in the, the sides of it. So mm-hmm. they're saying that it was this bear. Oh. And you definitely know uh, what it looks like if you've ever seen the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It is one of like the main settings of the movie. It's a very big deal. Um, the top true crime documentary is Thin Blue Line that Caitlin just beautifully uh, did the synopsis of. It's Don't also the same me. as Delaware. <laughs> I don't and need this from you. No. Yeah. We're almost done. Okay. And finally, <laughs> the scariest serial killer of the state is Mark Hop- Hopkinson. Mark Hopkinson. 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 Mark Hoppus? No. <clears throat> so, Mark Hopkinson was convicted in the late 70s and given three life sentences for ordering the bombing deaths of an attorney and his family. But when another man who was going to testify on behalf of the family was mysteriously murdered, Hopkinson was then given the death penalty. He was executed in 1982 and insisted that he did not order any of the murders for which he was convicted. Yikes. So. That's a big yikes. That's a big yikes. But that's that. That is all 50 states. Oh my goodness. It is. I want to give a big thank you to uh, our sources for uh, the main sources where we got like the list. So there's a New York Times article um, that talks about the 50 states uh, books. It's called the 50 states of true crime. Yep. There is a Thrillist article, the creepiest urban legend in every state. 
Yep. There, the infographic that we got, um, the information for the most watched documentary is No Film School. Yep. And the article was, here are the most popular true crime docs in every state. And the killers were mostly Wikipedia. Yeah. Or there was a BuzzFeed article about 50 terrifying serial what? killers from each state who'll freak you the hell out. Why didn't I know about that? Because you didn't need to. Haley doesn't share her sources. Nope. Haley doesn't and share her sources. Let it be known. That's okay. I got my urban legends from Insider. That's fine. Yeah. There was, yeah, I used oh, the, an Insider. Yeah. Goodreads and Rotten Tomatoes. Thank you very much. Goodreads, Rotten Tomatoes, love you. And uh, there was another um, insider article about urban legends that is called The Creepiest Urban Legend in Every State. Yes. Yeah. So, <clears throat> thank you to those sources. We will post links to those sources on yeah. the website. Yes, we will. That is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. And while you're looking at all that information, you can also look at our... Uh, Faces social media. on our social media. Yeah. Mm. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And yeah. our Patreon is there. And like we were just talking about before, um, we're, we might do a little book club thing. We also have Ooh, like something, something. different uh, reward levels for uh, Patreon. So if you support us at different levels, then you get different perks. So definitely check that out. If you can't find the link, message us on any of our social media and we will send you the link personally. Yes. Yeah. Via so, carrier pigeon. Exactly. Mm. So happy new year. And what is your new year's resolution? To not get my damn <clears throat> podcast details wrong. Yeah, it'd be pretty good. That would be nice. That would be quite nice. That's right. In case you guys don't know, we have been working our aces off uh, because we did double the episodes in October and then um, jump right into this where we both have to do the research for every single episode for the entire month. So, yep, we've done a lot of work for you guys this past year. Yes, we have. And loved every second of it. Yes. This has and been such a fun time. It has I, been. I know it sounds like we're going to say we're ending the podcast. We're not. We're just no. reminiscing. It's our year in review, even though it hasn't technically even been another year. That'll be in April. But still, yeah, it's our 2019 in review. Yeah. So this crazy stuff happened this year. But next year we have, I mean, we have... A, a list going all the way down solid until like July of yep. stuff we want to cover. And there's always more stuff that like is getting thrown in that we're like, Oh wait, I like this. I like this. So we're putting stuff in all different places. You guys are recommending stuff that we just keep adding to our growing list. And um, yeah, there's so much fun stuff coming up that we're very excited for. Um, I would say in 2020 expect a lot more um maybe mini episodes yep because we're trying not to take any hiatuses but i am planning a wedding this year yeah so and i'm <laughs> excited it's gonna take a lot of my extra time that used to be able to go straight to the podcast but now needs to be uh diverted into other parts of life 
non-crime parts of life. So, yep. unfortunately, that's that. But we're like I said, we're trying not to take a hiatus. We're still hopefully tentatively going to do Spooktober again with two episodes a week if we can uh, keep ourselves sane. But yeah, yeah, we're very excited for 2020. It's going to be great. It is going to be a fun time. So thank you for listening all year. We love you very much. And we will see you next year. Next. If you say year, I'm going to be so I mad said at year. you. <laughs> next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Oh, man. You faked me out. I did. Haha. <laughs> Bye. Bye.